A small business may be the most sustainable business out there because they know their suppliers by first name. Successful leaders manage people, not utility wires or HVAC systems. Only 15% of the remaining oil reserves are owned and controlled by the publicly traded oil and gas majors. The other 85% are owned by state-owned enterprises. This is the Levers for Change podcast. My name is Jimmy Gia. In the eight episodes of season one, we certainly learned a lot of facts and trivia like the ones above, and also a lot about how people make changes inside their communities. I'd like to provide some highlights of some of the main themes that spanned the podcast series. First, people taking initiative and willing to innovate were clearly important with all of our guests. And second, the importance of systems thinking in the approach to solutions. Rich Sonstoli, the retired CEO of Puget Sound Energy, talked about how people worried about being noticed for mistakes, but they forget that they also need to be noticed for successes. Always asking questions and taking on new challenges is one way to be noticed for successes. And Jackie Drumheller, the former director of sustainability at Alaskan Airlines, said that take initiative was the number one attribute she looked at when looking for interns. She even said that if people don't reach out beyond the resume process, then what's the point? Running sustainability in a company is about being a self-starter, being independent, and taking that initiative. It can be a challenge sometimes finding the right balance between taking initiative and innovation. And Shilpa Patel at ClimateWorks, who spent many years at the World Bank, seemed to have found that balance. From her experience, the World Bank was very innovative on the inside, and it's easy to somehow think that the pace of change is slow inside of a large bureaucratic institution, but the pace of change to adopt new ideas in the market sometimes isn't that fast either. That change is happening whether we want it or not. Both Rich Sonsoli and Stephen Klein, the former CEO of Snohomish PUD, pointed out that the utility business model needs a lot of innovation. Rich should know. He was CEO of Puget Sound Energy in the 1990s when utilities faced deregulations as a challenge to their business models. And today, they face electric vehicles, batteries, and solar panels as disruptions to the current business model. And Steve was even more specific. This business model needs to change from volumetric charge of electrons sold to a fee for service, and that service could be to ship the electrons from your solar panel to your neighbor across the street. This is very much like how a donut van rides on top of the highway that was built off of taxes. The second point looked at systems thinking. After all, if everything's interconnected, where do you start? Karen Wayland, who was the senior policy advisor to Nancy Pelosi, was very proud of the Quadrennial Energy Review that was published under Secretary of Energy Ernest Moniz. The Quadrennial Energy Review was successful because it specifically focused on the connections of the energy systems to the non-energy systems. Some people, who were bored with energy topics, found the energy-water nexus to be fascinating while others were really engaged in the cybersecurity issues. And Jameson Morell of Sustainability Intelligence at Jacobs Engineering pointed out, though, that even though the systems are connected, you can't impact the whole system at once. 
you can only impact the part that you're touching and work on the issues that are material to that part. From there, you can trace the red threads through the system. Since these systems are so interconnected, they create implementation challenges. Brewster Earle, president of energy services at Comfort Systems, said that the handoff between stakeholders in the systems can sometimes show cracks. Architects usually come before the mechanical contractors, and the building operators are typically after. There are cracks in each knowledge transfer, and someone needs to be able to unify it. That person could be the owner's commissioning agent when constructing a new building. And Sabrina Watkins, head of sustainability for ConocoPhillips, talked about stakeholder dynamics within the systems. There are over 300 oil and gas companies, some focused upstream in mining and extraction, some in midstream just on refining, and others downstream in marketing and consumer sales, while some do all three. Each one of these stakeholders have a different definition of sustainability based on what they do, and they work towards slightly different goals. So coming to an agreement as an industry can be extremely difficult, beyond the broad strokes of the concepts. Steve Klein brought it all together by saying that we train specialists like electrical engineers, accountants, financiers, and lawyers to work within the utility sector. But let's say there's a new idea, such as a title project, where we don't even know who the regulator will be. Yet someone still has to take the lead for that project, and someone still has to figure out the skill sets to pull the project off. That was the underlying motivation for the Western Washington University Energy Institute, where people get a holistic education of these different moving components that touches the energy systems. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast for new episodes, and please share with a friend. Visit our website at www.leversforchangepodcast.com for additional podcasts, books, courses, and other resources. Again, my name is Jimmy Gia. The music is by Sean Hart. And remember, as you are trying to change the world, search for your levers for change. Thank you.